podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh. Ben and I are both here due to the generosity and support of the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. Uh, we recommend that everybody please subscribe to the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. Ben, did you use the Play Index this weekend at BaseballReference.com? You know, I did recently. I was trying to find teams that had uh, that had scored the most runs in the league and allowed the fewest to see how common that is in preparation for something that we might discuss shortly. Wait, uh, uh, when did that come up? That came up when RJ wrote, uh, RJ did something differently. RJ, uh, wrote about the A's maybe a week ago. Mm. And I think that was that they were at the time they were first in the league in true average. So Uh offense, and they mm-hmm. were first in the league in defensive efficiency, so yeah. so defense. And they might have also been first in the league in um, whatever pitching metric he was looking at at the time. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, they are. They're first in a lot of a lot of categories. Good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use the play index at baseballreference.com a lot this weekend as well. Uh, also, partly because of the A's, because I was uh, going around looking up um, various ways to make Sean Doolittle's current stat line uh even even more interesting mm-hmm. one walk ben one walk <laughs> it's a great one you've you've long loved sean doolittle two two batters this year have entered the game as a pinch hitter and drawn more walks in that game than the entire league has drawn against sean doolittle this year. <laughs> uh-huh well, i don't know so, if that's it's not my favorite fun fact of yours, but it's not mine either. It's not mine either. I couldn't actually. I, I have to admit, I couldn't actually come up. I I was not satisfied with any of the Sean Doolittle ones that I was able to to generate or uh, I guess uh, workshop. <laughs> but uh, some of them. I mean, if you've allowed one one walk, that's that's all that you have to say. I think I don't know that you even have to go deeper in search of a fun fact. That's well, that's fun. That's just a fun fact on its own. That's a good point. I wrote an entire article uh, last year about, uh, or last offseason, about uh, Derek Law, the Giants minor league relief pitcher, who had 45 strikeouts and one walk in mm-hmm. his season, or at le- I think it was in his season. It might have been after a promotion to high A or something like that. And that was good for an entire article. And that was in high A, mm-hmm. which doesn't mean anything. Like I, I, The entire point of the article was that high A doesn't mean anything. And still... Seeing that line was enough to write an entire article about Derek Law, a you know, 24-year-old relief prospect. Right. So, yeah, do a little something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so I wanted to talk about the, um, well, I was going to say, I want to talk about the A's series in Baltimore, but do you have any business? Not really, actually. Sort of a slow weekend in, in effectively wild issues. So uh, I guess three things I want to talk about from this series that the A's had in Baltimore, two of which are, uh, are tabloid kind of, uh, t- kind of issues, and, and the third one is uh, more substantive, uh, but maybe none of which need a, a whole episode. So um, 
So first off, Nelson Cruz attempted to steal home um, on Saturday. Saturday? Friday? I think Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, a, in an attempt at a walk-off, uh, mm-hmm. a walk-off home steal. Uh, the, the Orioles were, or the A's were playing a shift uh, mm-hmm. with Chris Davis up. It was a full count. Uh, and uh, he g- was able to get a big lead. He took off, and uh, I was it Fernando Abad, I think, uh, delivered the pitch quickly, quick pitched, you might say, mm-hmm. uh, and Cruz was out by probably 11 feet. Mm-hmm. Did you have any thoughts about this? Did this inspire any, uh, any opinions <laughs> from you about baseball? Uh, there have been a few instances where something like this has happened where a runner has been successful and has taken an extra base because of the shift and defenders being out of position and not not counting on the runner taking that base. I suppose you are, are you implying that this was a deke, that they set a trap for Nelson Cruz and caught him in it? No, no, not at no. all. I was not at all implying that it was a deke. I, I, I Do you think there was any chance of that? That they would that they would deke Nelson that they would actually play men, multiple people out of position on the off chance that Nelson Cruz would decide <laughs> to try to steal home in the eleventh inning. Uh-huh. No, I don't think there's any chance that they were planning on Nelson Cruz stealing home. I know Derek Morris, uh, Derek Derek Norris mm-hmm. uh, noted that there was like a funny look in Nelson Cruz's eyes, and mm-hmm. after the fact, he's like, he, it felt like Derek Norris sort of had that like. Uh, uh, feeling like when a horse starts kicking and then like th- like three minutes later there's an earthquake like he said he sort of felt weird vibes in the air yeah. but no I don't I don't think that teams are routinely playing defensive shifts to Deke uh, a runner off third not teams just just the, the A's. A's you're underestimating the A's like everyone else so you watch more shifts than anybody in probably uh, not in the world but yeah. you're one of the probably 30 most shift watching human beings in the world do you see a lot of base runners on third who are uh using this in any way as a to distract the the pitcher to sort of take crazy leads to 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 bluff to dance to to just wreak havoc at all or uh is it pretty much uh an unwritten rule or something that you don't yeah i haven't seen it all that much i guess most of the shifts that i watch are or when bunts are involved, in which case there is no runner on third. So, so that's probably a big part of it. But, um, but I, I haven't anecdotally seen a whole lot of that. Um, what, hang on, I said, oh, that's true, but I'm not sure. Why wouldn't there be a runner on third if there was a if there was a bunt? That actually seems like the perfect time to bunt. Is if a single is uh, is particular is disproportionately valuable, that would be when you would bunt, right? Uh, but the. Usually the third baseman's over there. Well, yeah, but we're talking about the idea that he's not. And it doesn't happen all that often. <laughs> I mean, oh, so, so you're saying there aren't there aren't many shifts like this. I uh, I think on. it's fairly rare. I, I mean, most of the most of the bunt cases are with the bases empty. Um, I mean, it's 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 less common than than a shift in just overall, right? In just any situation. Uh, so here's what I thought about this, and um, I, I don't know that this is necessarily something something that a team could use in the future. But here's my observation of this play: mm. uh, Nelson Cruz attempts to steal home. Let's for for the for the moment put the Nelson Cruz uh, part of this aside and, and and talk about everybody else involved in the play. So uh, Abad 
gets totally confused and just pitches. Like he doesn't step off. He actually delivers a pitch, Mm -hmm. uh, which is not what you're supposed to do. You should step off, then you can um, throw it to, you can throw it anywhere you want. The hitter can't swing. Um, You can, you know, if the runner stops, you could, you could run him back, uh, for instance. Um, And instead, Abad rushed through this weird herky jerk uh, stretch position kind of pitch. Uh, it was odd and weird, and it was not what he was supposed to do. So Abad, clearly taken by surprise, didn't know what to do, had not prepared for this situation. That's what uh, he wants you to think. Chris Davis sprints away. I mean, Chris Davis actually backed away from the plate faster than Nelson Cruz approached it. <laughs> like, as Nelson Cruz was running toward home, the distance between him and Chris Davis was growing. That's how fast Chris Davis sprinted away from the plate. Now, what Chris Davis should have done, uh, I don't know exactly what he should have done, but uh, I'll, I'll get to what he probably should have done in a second. But uh, so clearly confused, wasn't prepared for this, didn't know what to do, uh, awkward. And then Derek Norris, I'm assuming it was Derek Norris. It's possible that Vote had replaced him by that point, or it's possible that they had traded for Kurt Suzuki again by that point. And he was, I think it was Norris, though. Uh, catches the ball and uh but but basically jumps out in front of home plate to catch it he leaves the catcher's box jumps out and catches it as though he's taking a throw from an infielder and then lays the tag down which you know probably was was good because it put him in a good position to to lay the tag down um and given abad's strange reaction i I don't know it's conceivable that he wouldn't have had time if he had stayed in his catcher's uh, uh squat but anyway he's not supposed to do that I don't even know if you're allowed to leave the catcher's box to, to get a pitch. I think you're probably not, and it's conceivable that he had actually violated a rule and could have been penalized. But all the same, what he really shouldn't have done that for is that Chris Davis could have taken any swing in the world, hit him, and it would have been a catcher's interference. Mm. And Nelson Cruz, despite having his, uh, his subterfuge snuffed out, uh, would have been given a free pass back to third base mm-hmm. because it would have been a catcher's interference. Uh, and uh, bases were not loaded, right? For a second and third, I think. Mm. I yeah, I'm looking. But, but anyway, yeah. catcher's interference would have been the uh, optimal outcome for the Orioles in that situation. So uh, Norris done goofed by jumping into the, <laughs> I want to say the classic catcher's interference position, but there is no catcher's interference position. And, and also, he would have been hit in the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how far in front he was. Davis done goofed by leaving his position and uh you know it's it's also i I guess once cruz starts going he can't swing because he might kill him but you know he could have done something uh probably should have bunted actually uh given the shift well no there were two strikes it was second and third it was second and third okay so so davis probably done goofed and and abad done goofed um and it just strikes me that the lesson that you would learn from this is that uh nobody actually had any idea what to do in this situation, and with the uh, slightly better execution, just a slightly better execution from a better runner, uh, it would have been a piece of cake. And uh, that leads me to think that uh, probably teams should be looking for more opportunities to not necessarily steal home, but do weird, crazy things that are unexpected. <laughs> Although maybe part of the lack of preparedness is the fact that it was Nelson Cruz on well, third, right? I, yeah, but even Cruz himself, you know, pro- didn't have the lead he probably could have. Um, and, uh, you know, if he'd gotten a message to Davis, for instance, and they would have had the catch interference backup uh, plan, 
uh, it might have worked. I mean, there's a lot of ways that I think even with Nelson Cruz it might have worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So I don't. I don't. I, I think that certainly if if uh, if it were Billy Hamilton on third, then there would have been a lot more paying attention to it. Right. Um, but you know, there's there's a lot of guys who run slightly faster than Nelson Cruz, and you know, a couple steps more from the lead, and it could have been executed. I think it could have been executed. I think that the A's had absolutely no idea what to do in this situation, and it showed. And it makes me think that if I were a manager, I would be looking for similar opportunities to do the completely unexpected because mm-hmm. um, these guys aren't really trained for that. Mm-hmm. So right. we'll have to do an episode where we come up with completely unexpected things to do. Maybe. Maybe mm-hmm. we will. All right. Second thing. Manny Machado. Um, nobody supports him, correct? I mean, <laughs> for throwing his bat. Um, I mean, not just throwing his bat. I mean, the 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 initial the initial confrontation with Donaldson was completely crazy behavior. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm inclined to forgive him that uh, because, uh, as you know, my my thesis about unwritten rules is that they are a way of using peer pressure to get people to act against their best interests. And mm-hmm. if you start putting the idea in defenders' heads that they have to tag you gently, uh, that has you know actual benefits for the runner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that's what Machado was doing. I think Machado, I think he just lost. I think as he was losing his balance, there was this like sort of way that he lost his mind as well. He lost his bearings, like he got vertigo or something, uh-huh. and his and his brain just co- sort of spun a little bit, and um, you know he forgot where he was, etc. Um, and so I don't think there was any. I, I don't think this was quite as uh, as intelligent as the normal unwritten rules are. But that was crazy stuff. I mean, he went on. He's on tilt, right? I mean, he basically mm-hmm. had two complete crazy man moments mm-hmm. in in one series. So uh, there was but, a there was another hard tag sh- uh, showdown confrontation last week. Not nearly as as serious, but Mark Melanson placed a hard tag on Everth Cabrera when he oh. was running to first base, and uh, I mean, he really like kind of shoved him out of the baseline almost on his way to first and and on his way back to the dugout Cabrera kind of turned around and was was talking to Melanson um and was you know giving him nasty looks and everything so I don't know whether uh whether there's a a hard tag epidemic in baseball but that's two well so that the hard tag is is not actually this this there is a history of hard tagging and strategic hard tagging um I don't think that um, what Donaldson was doing was a strategic hard tag. I don't think that what Melanson was doing was a strategic hard tag. But in Maury Will's crazy book, uh, How to Steal a Pennant, um, which is, a, you know, as you know, uh, one of my favorite books, despite being a, a, a total train wreck, mm-hmm. um, he talks about first baseman hard tagging uh, and the tension that it would create. But uh, he talks about how Joe Torrey was one of the toughest, hardest taggers. And he, he says, Torrey wouldn't just tag me with the ball. He tried to pound me into the ground with it all part of the game of stopping the stealer. Uh, and so, you know, there, I don't know if, if Machado was, uh, or, or Everth Cabrera was, was kind of taking the, um, the hard tag battle that he engages in with first baseman and or second baseman and shortstop and, and just sort of lost his, uh, his, his, his sense of context and, mm-hmm. and, and, and misunderstood the, uh, the motivations of the guy who was tagging him. But, you know, the way that you tag a guy is not totally innocent uh, in all cases. Mm-hmm. Although anyway, Donaldson's tag didn't appear to me to be particularly hard. No, no, no. Do- there's Donaldson w- did nothing. I mean, the, 
it was absurd. It, Machado was was he was crazy. I mean that mm-hmm. tra- that tag was nothing. That was a a normal tag of a guy who was trying to avoid a tag. Right. Uh, and it's not like you know Donaldson had no leverage. And uh, Machado wasn't like pressed up against a hard surface, so it's not like he was gonna like really grind it into him or anything. It was just a, it was basically just a little bop. So I'm not defending Machado at all, and mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Donaldson intended anything at all. I'm just saying that the hard tag is actually uh, part of the unwritten rules uh, rule book. Mm-hmm. The, the, and and anytime there's an unwritten rules rule book, you know there are seven thousand. Uh, <laughs> Uh, notes in the appendix yes um trying to sort out which hard tags are okay and which aren't and uh so you know that you can you can maybe understand why these guys would get confused but then you throwing a bat at the pitcher which i I presume that was intended to be at the pitcher i don't know for a fact maybe he maybe he hates alberto Cayaspo. maybe Mm -hmm. Cayaspo tagged him hard once or maybe he forgot that donaldson had been (laughs) right maybe he didn't even notice that that wasn't Donaldson. right it seems very likely that he didn't notice because it had just (laughs) happened like five minutes earlier right Uh Um, but whoever he was throwing the bat at, uh, that's a big deal. So I want to know what you think, uh, the suspension will be. Uh, I would guess not much more than say, I, I would guess probably something like five games. Maybe yeah, I was going to say, because what was, there was one, I, I feel like there was this uh, case last year, maybe where, it seemed like something really serious happened. It seemed like there was going to be a very long suspension. And it's almost always just, you know, a handful of games. There's very rarely a, an especially long one. All right, let me ask you this. Maybe it was Brett Laurie's suspension I was thinking of when he threw his helmet at the umpire. Um, I forget how long that suspension was, but not not as long as everyone seemed to think it would be. It was four games, I think. So, And that seems like a more... Well, he didn't throw his helmet at the umpire. He threw his helmet and it bounced up at the umpire. It was careless, yeah, but he was not—he he was it. not aiming. At, he wasn't aiming at an umpire. No, but he it threw was it very careless, pretty hard in the direction of the umpire, so that it wasn't right. wasn't really that surprising that it hit him. And throwing a bat at a player is potentially more serious. But then again, if he was throwing it at the third baseman, uh, there's not much potential to hurt a player. Maybe that, he was throwing. Maybe maybe he was throwing it at the umpire. Maybe <laughs> he, he was throwing been, it at yes. the third base umpire. Then what? He, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I was gonna say six games. But now let me ask you this. Um, and I would be if I were the commissioner, I would have uh, suspended uh, Laurie for probably eighteen, mm-hmm. and I probably would suspend Machado for about yeah yeah fifteen or twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me ask you this. So this is now, this is uh, we're seeing escalation, right? We saw uh, benches clear over uh, some sort of. Um, aggressive posturing, and then we saw pitches thrown at his lower body, and then we saw a bat thrown, which is nearly unprecedented in the sport and, and represents real clear escalation. So now let's say next time the Orioles and the A's play, uh, Machado's up, pitch comes in, it's a strike, he takes it. Norris gets up and fires the ball back to the pitcher, but right into Machado's face, uh-huh. like just right into it, and like knocks out four teeth. Yeah. Uh, Suspension. How how long? Ten. Ten. <laughs> yeah, I just don't think the the precedent is just that. I mean, I would give him a longer one. All right. So but then. but doubling it seems seems like something that would reasonably happen. All right. So then Machado uh, gets has jaw <laughs> surgery, comes back the next year. I think it doubles uh, every time, unless there's murder. 
first pitch comes, he he swings and misses, and very clearly and very deliberately has on his follow through backswing crushes Norris in the head with a bat. Like mm. just very clearly deliberate and very very sturdy contact. Uh, concussion. Let's say Norris uh, actually. Let's say no stretcher, but Norris has to leave the game. How long is the suspension? Hmm. Well, the league has been pretty sensitive toward head injuries and concussions in general. So I'll say that they would up the severity there. Although I feel like that would be that would be a case where it would be easier to fake hitting someone on a backswing, I feel like, than, than in doing what Machado just did. Well, it would be... It'd be... I think it'd be easier for some people to fake it, but based on what we saw from Machado, not easy for Machado to fake it. Not, yeah, not a great actor, not a great acting job in this. The thing that, you know, I don't know if I'm very weird, but the thing that actually bothers me the, le- the most about this is that now Machado is in a position where he's going to have to just keep lying about this. And I, I hate people lying. Like, I just don't like lies. I, I don't like the idea of lying. And, uh, and yet Machado now is going to have to, for the next... I don't, maybe not for the next 20 years, but certainly for the next few years, mm-hmm. keep on pretending this thing that none of us believes. Yeah. That bothers me. I don't like that. I don't like that he's going to go in front of the, <laughs> of, of the commissioner and just like look him in the eye, and even though everybody knows he's lying, he's still going to lie. It bothers me. In a way, perhaps that is the greater punishment than Could this five-game suspension. Could be. Could yeah. be. Uh, all right, last thing about the A's series. They won two out of three from the Orioles. They are uh, just crushing everybody. Mm-hmm. And so are the Giants. Across the bay, the Giants are also crushing everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly, I would say, clearly the two best teams in baseball up to this point. They have played better. And as, a, as you know, I've been watching the Giants a long time. I haven't seen the Giants play this well uh, since at least 93 and maybe ever. Uh, just, I mean, they win, you know, that I, I told, I, I was, I happened to be at my folks house this weekend and I told my dad that, you know, when they're down by two, you're, you're pretty sure they're going to win. And when they're up by two, you, you go do something else. Mm-hmm. No, they're going to win. And, uh, I was there for two games and both times they fell behind by two. Uh, once they fell behind by three and then just very casually came back and won. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they won, you know, they won on Sunday with their Sunday lineup. Uh, and it was the the fill-ins that that won. And, I mean, so anyway, the A's are are have the best run differential. Uh, they're doing crazy, crazy things with run differential right now, uh, yeah. like record picks. The mm-hmm. Giants have the second best run differential. They're the only two teams in baseball with a greater than eighty five percent chance of making the playoffs, according to our playoff odds as of Sunday. Those odds will go up significantly because the Giants won and the A's won a blowout. Um, so they'll probably both be up around ninety eight ish or so uh, by 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 the time you're listening to this. And so my question is to you, Ben, mm. which team which team is better? I'd like to take the Giants, but I can't. I, I don't think. I can't come up with a reason to prefer them. I liked the A's better coming into the year. I, I predicted that they would win the AL West and that the Giants would win the wild card. So I liked the that was my that was my baseline. That was my prior. I liked the A's better. And they haven't really done anything to, to dissuade me. The Giants have been great. I mean, they've both been better than I expected, but but the A's, you just, you just covered it, right? I mean, I said so at the beginning of the episode. They've scored more runs than anyone. They've, they've allowed fewer runs than anyone, which is hard to do. If you're in a, a pitcher's park, it's, it's hard to lead the majors in, in runs scored. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the run differential is crazy. The, the defense is crazy. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of luck involved in it, really. I mean, if you, it's not like they're just doing some crazy 2013 Cardinals thing with runners in scoring position. They're, they're just hitting really well, pitching really well, fielding incredibly well. They're, uh, they're, even their park adjusted defensive efficiency is like, I have to check to see if it's unprecedented or when the last time it happened was, but the, uh, the scale in the glossary is something like, you know, a, a four point something is excellent on the scale and they are a five point something right now. So they're kind of off the charts there. They're deep. They don't have a whole lot of weaknesses except for, I guess you could say second base where, you know, maybe the guys that they have will start playing better or, or they will go out and get someone. But um, as, as well as Brian Sabian's moves over the winter have worked out with the exclusion of the, or with the exception of the Lincecum deal that no one liked. Um, And even though, even though I would, I would bet that the Giants are a better, are a safer bet to upgrade in midseason, either because maybe they have more money to spend or just because they have a long track record, track record under Sabian of, of being active at the deadline. But I don't know. I can't really, can't really come up with a reason to, to like the Giants more than the A's, though I like them both. Yeah, I I feel like the um, the fact that the A's have been... I mean, look, the, the thing about it is that um, a big part of your answer is always going to be... Not yours, but our answer is always going to be, well... Well, which team which team do we think was better two months ago? Yeah. You have to you certainly have to weigh that. And the fact is that the A's have been the best team in baseball for, you know, basically going on three years now, almost three years now. Mm-hmm. And the best team over the past two years by, you know, a wide margin. I think it's by like fifteen games or something. I just made that up. It's probably like a game. <laughs> uh, who knows? Uh, on the other hand and and the Giants on the other hand, you know, were were pretty poor last year. But so let me give you a couple, maybe a couple of things uh, to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, one is that the Giants were projected to win more games than the A's coming into the season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So while we thought that the A's were better um, based on you know what they did last year and the fact that the A's are really good, and they've been very good, uh, Pakoda looked at the team's rosters included that the Giants were really good too and mm-hmm. didn't, didn't consider this to be a particularly surprising thing to have happen so that's one thing right Mm -hmm. uh another thing is that and i don't i don't know if you know of a way to look this up i I think espn has this somewhere uh but my sense i'm probably wrong i shouldn't even say this my it it feels like the giant it seems to me that the giants have been beating a lot of good teams and therefore Mm -hmm. it's my feeling that they've been playing more tough teams uh-huh. early in the season. They also, uh, they also uh, had, a, a, you know, played more road games than home games, although uh, that balanced out a little bit more this weekend. Um, so, you know, probably I'm wrong about that. <laughs> Baseball Reference has a, a park-adjusted run differential somewhere with, I think, a strength of schedule thing, if I can find oh. it. Yeah, and the A's have actually played one fewer home game than the Giants, mm. and the same number of road games. Mm. Uh, so that doesn't really work. Uh, mm. The Giants have a better 
record. There's that. Do you? Uh, we talked about um, balancing run differential uh, with with record early in the season mm-hmm. when a couple of blowouts can be disproportionate. Mm. Uh, the A's have been blowing a lot of people out because they're really good. On the other yeah. hand, um, you know, the Giants have been winning more games. The Giants also have um, been winning more games, uh, close games with a very good bullpen. Uh, they have like four guys with an ERA under like 1.4 in uh-huh. their bullpen. Uh, um, the A's are, are far behind in that category, probably. No, especially when you consider how many, I mean, how many late innings they lost. Uh, early on giving high leverage to Jim Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, which is not something they necessarily have to do ever again. <laughs> no. Uh, and, of course, I don't know. The Giants are going to get Brandon Belt back pretty quick. They're going to get mm-hmm. Santiago Garcia back pretty quick. I know the A's also have injuries, but, uh, and every team has injuries, but do the A's have guys they're getting back? I can't think of guys they're getting back. No. So, like, right, they basically, like, they've been losing Coco Crisp for, like, two days a week or... They've they've got guys who had Tommy John and aren't ever coming back. But as far mm-hmm. as as coming back, it's like Eric O'Flaherty. Yeah, that? that's about that's about it. Yeah, on the DL right now, it's just uh, it's just Griffin and Parker and O'Flaherty and Josh Reddick um, and and Jake Elmore. So yeah, nothing nothing much missing from from their current roster. And they the Giants have uh, Belt on there and and Casilla and Scudero and. Kane, I guess, is still still on there. So no, uh, yeah, uh, Kane came back this weekend. Ah, okay. Uh, so mm-hmm. he had he had been, uh, yeah, on yeah. the deal. I think I think he's been on the deal twice, right? Because uh, yeah. he had the he, he had the, the sandwich into the sandwich, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yeah, so that's my case for the for the Giants. But um, oh, uh, and then yeah, so what is this? Is this a thing? Do you know what ESPN's relative power index is? I do this not. Is, so this looks like, huh? Yeah. So this, this is a strength. This is basically run differential with a strength of schedule multiplier, uh-huh. kind of. Oh, and, and it's, or it no, has a strength of schedule column. It, yeah, it has a strength of schedule column. It also, it, it's, I don't know, it has columns for record, uh, run differential, and strength of schedule. So we don't know, we don't know which of those are weighted. But in there, in this so-called RPI. The two teams are essentially uh, tied, uh, mm-hmm. well ahead of anybody else. So, I would probably, I would probably take the A's too, though. Yeah. Um, and you know, if anything, that I guess if the if 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 anything tips the scale, it's that uh, I've tended to I and we and you and everybody in the world has tended to underestimate the A's for the last three years. Uh, so you got to figure there's a one percent underestimation tax. Uh, <laughs> we've also we had the the underestimate Brian Sabian conversation a few times. That's true, we have, and it is an even year, an even year, Ben. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know right. what they say about even years? I do. They're divisible by two. Oh. All right, so that's the end of that show. Okay, uh, so please support our sponsor, Baseball Reference. Go to baseballreference.com. Subscribe to the Play Index. Oh, hang on. Using the... the basic formula is 25% winning percentage, 50% strength of schedule, 25% opponents, opponents, sorry, 25% opponents strength of schedule. Wow. Oh, That's complicated. They go multiple layers on the strength of schedule. <laughs> That's very complicated. <laughs> I don't know that the last, I don't know that I'd add the last course. <laughs> No, so they are adjusting the the strength of your opponents by 
how strong the opponents of your opponents were. <laughs> well, that's that's, that's admirable. Not, that's <laughs> not a pretty much washout, right? I guess I guess maybe that's just a way of doing like league balance. Actually, that's maybe that's what that is. Maybe it's a way of balance of uh, doing. By the way, did you look? Oh yes, right. So I was asking about the interleague split just before we started recording because I wanted to. I was going to say something about I like the A's because they are in the stronger league, and I wanted to see whether that was still the case. And it does appear to be the case, at least so far this season. The AL has defeated the NL uh, at about a 540 clip. I think oh, they're so normal. 69 normal. and 59 against the National League. So, yeah, about what it's been lately. Interesting. All right. <laughs> uh, should have saved that for a topic. <laughs> yeah, well... We can always recycle it. All right. So as I was saying, please use the coupon code BP when you subscribe to the Baseball Reference Play Index to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. And we'll be back with another show tomorrow. Please send us email questions for Wednesday's listener email show at podcast at baseballperspectus.com.